It's been an interesting book, you know, because you have a, a real shift in the middle of the book, and uh, it has 66 chapters, you know, and it's kind of divided up Old Testament, New Testament in a sense, you know. And so we're coming into those chapters that start to look more like the New Testament, right? And so there's, there's a, a shift. You see, the first part dealt a lot with the, the judgments upon the nations that were coming against God's people and God's plan. And, uh, you know, just recently about the Assyrians coming against and the exile of the Babylonians and Hezekiah, his successes and his failures and all. But now we're just entering t- in, into a time that really starts to focus on the coming Messiah. And there, there are spots, obviously, that are still hard. But, but it's, like, it's like God is excited about the pinnacle of his plan or something. <laughs> you know, and I don't know if any of you are good at keeping secrets. I'm horrible at keeping secrets, you know, because I just get so jacked up and excited about things, you know, and sometimes it comes through in God's prophecies, you know, and, and people forget, you know, they always talk about the sovereignty of God and how he can smash you and do this, you know, to you and, and others, you know, God's judgment and hell is hot, you know, and they talk about these things. Man, I love talking about God's love. I love talking about the grace that is to be given us when Jesus Christ is revealed, where all my hope is told to lay, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And so we're entering into a really cool chapter, so I'm pretty excited about it. And we're going to take our time through chapter 40, because uh, some of my favorite passages are at the end of chapter 40, and I'm not even getting close to the end of chapter 40 tonight. <laughs> so we're going to only look through the first 11 verses. And so let's go ahead and read verse 1, comfort Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double all her sins. And so he is a prophet and he is prophesying a time in the future. But recognize, Israel, that there's comfort coming. And the Lord is demanding that Isaiah comfort the people at this point. Comfort him. Give them some good news. Comfort my people, God's people. And we need to remember he is the God of all comfort. You know, this is a verse that I often um, read at at funerals, but it really applies to everything that we go through. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Little words make a difference, don't they? Eventually, the only thing that's going to matter is God's ability to give you comfort. And we need to to realize that it's not our our hobbies. It's not our bank account. It's not our retirement fund. It's our God. He is the God that brings that ultimate comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation. And again, this is written in the New Testament, but he was always there throughout the Old Testament as well, comforting his people in those tough situations, certainly the obedient ones that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. So even though you go through hard times, those hard times are past or pressed or paid forward, aren't they? Because when you come out of a hard time, you're able to comfort others that have gone through a hard time. I was driving my wife uh, to the airport, and she doesn't like to go through airports, and so I I got her a direct flight from Houston, and my daughter happens to live there. So I drove my wife up to to Houston on Sunday evening to get on a, a direct flight to Sacramento. And um, um, as I was driving up there, somebody had called me, and it was a younger pastor, and he wanted advice. And he wanted advice on a tough situation. And he knew I'd been through a tough situation. 
you know? And so I look back and I wouldn't be the pastor I am today without all the tough situations that I've gone through in the past. And I'm blessed to be able to share and pay forward and use those things that were extremely painful, right? To, to pay them forward. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. You know, and so that consoling comes through God, God himself in the stillness, but also through God's people as well, you know. Uh, so many people had a hard time with, with COVID who are in the church because we are meant to be together. Church online is not church the way it's meant to be. You know, you need to have some, some bit of fellowship and human contact and you need to be able to comfort one another. And as many Zoom calls as you can try to have, it's not the same than hanging out with people or going to a retreat with them or going to lunch with them after church or coming to their house or going and hanging out for three or four hours at the beach and getting sunburned together, I guess. I don't know, <laughs> you know, but, but there's just, you know, there's just this, this peace that we have and God speaks through us to one another. And and when I go through trials, I need you guys. You know, there's been times when it felt like everybody in the church, you know, was against me because somebody was spreading gossip about me, and it, and it got hurtful. And there were some that just said, Rod, that's stupid. I don't believe it. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you, you know. But that's just the heart of God. He still, he still loves us. So he is the God of all comfort. And I also want you to note, you know, we, we get this wrong idea of the nature of prophecy to sometimes, and understand, Old Testament prophecy in, in, in its basic element is the same as New Testament prophecy in the sense that prophecy is merely God's heart speaking through a man's mouth, right? But you, you see, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the completed word of God. And so the prophet in the Old Testament was merely speaking God's word forth, Right? And sometimes it was to encourage people, sometimes it was to rebuke people, and sometimes it was warnings, and sometimes it was foretelling things way in the future. But see, back then, they were speaking God's word specifically, and they were held to a very high account. In the New Testament, we test everything against what? The word of God that has already been confirmed, and the prophets that have gone before. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people because the, the, the blood of bulls and goats merely covered over sin for a, a short time. And so every year they'd have to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. But for us, the Holy Spirit can dwell with each one of us full time because Jesus forever lives to intercede for us. And this is how in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit indwells us. When David prayed, take not thy Holy Spirit from me when he was repenting from his time with Bathsheba, what ended up happening was a lot of people said, oh, that's bad doctrine. No, it's not bad Old Testament doctrine because the Holy Spirit could come away from David and go upon him, David. But in the New Testament, it's a little different. So here's the deal. If someone may come, oh, the Lord laid this upon my heart, I have just as much access to the Holy Spirit as the person that's prophesying to me. So prophecy isn't a scary thing. And, and, and what does Paul tell us? He tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you, filled with the Holy Spirit, also test all things and hold on to that which is true. So in the Old Testament, they could be put to death. In the New Testament, a false prophet is to be ignored, <laughs> right? And if they're divisive, obviously, they're supposed to be rebuked and put out of the church and everything. But, you know, if someone says, you know, I, I was praying for you and God laid this upon my heart, it might be directly from God, you know, and, uh, and all. So, 
you know, that's how prophecies are different. And, and the amazing thing is in, in the New Testament, we, we have the Holy Spirit with us full time. We have been forgiven. We are the apple of God's eyes. And he can look on us with the love that he has for Jesus Christ. God the Father can because we have been cleansed. We have been purified. We have become his children. We've been born again. Right? And it says uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, verse 3. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 all talk about uh, how you're to minister with a tool that God gives us, our fruits of the Spirit or uh, gifts of the Spirit, right? And they're just one of the many tools that God gives us, right? You don't, you don't overblow those things like some people. It's all about the gifts. The gifts aren't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us those gifts to use, right? And so they are a tool, and, and they're used in their proper place to minister to one another, right? But a lot of times... You know, early on when I was trying to discover how the Holy Spirit would move and we'd be in a prayer meeting or something and someone, someone would say, someone in here is sinning, you got to repent right now. And they're doing it in front of everybody and they're trying to get that person to repent right now. And I'm like, whoa, that's heavy, you know, right? I came into this and my heart was broken and some heavy stuff is going on. I'm looking to be ministered to and someone's trying to crack my skull, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, I remember one time I was, I was with a group of pastors and, and someone was, you know, just kept on pounding this. And uh, the guy that was leading the meeting quoted this verse and he says, you know what? He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. You know, this is the thing. Sometimes we, we want to walk around with a sour, sourpuss look on our face and kind of judge everybody. But we're told so many places, and Paul writes this, but Paul also wrote Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome talk come, from, uh, come out of your mouth, but that which is edifying and imparts grace to those who hear do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And how do you grieve the Holy Spirit of God? By just being a jerk, right? And sometimes you, you need to be careful because when you rebuke somebody, you got to do it very humbly and lovingly. Because if, if you're getting some thrill out of it because you're mad at that person, you're doing it in the flesh. And that's a waste of time, says 1 Corinthians 13. You can speak with the tongues of men and angels, and you can have all these mysteries figured out. But if you have not love, clang, clang, gong, gong, screech, screech, fingers on a chalkboard. If you're younger than 40, uh, fingers, a chalkboard is something we used to write on. <laughs> As a teacher, I used to dry out my fingers. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so it's just a horrible thing. But understand this. You know, we, we've been doing it in our church a little bit more at some of our prayer meetings. And if you've been with me, we do this. We practice encouraging one another. And understand, encouragement coming out of your spirit very well may be directly a word from the Lord. But even if not, even if you're just encouraging somebody because they're, they're a blessing to you, or, or you see some growth in them, or you're very thankful for them, whatever it might be, that's a good thing, Right? And it is a wholesome word, and it is imparting grace to those that hear, right? You know, and, and so understand when, it, when a prophet prophesies, he's not always prophesying damnation, <laughs> right? And certainly New Testament-wise, and I think we need it as well, that uh, we need to be speaking 
edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. You know, it's funny, sometimes when I pray for people, I start praying blessings upon them, not really knowing if it's the Holy Spirit moving or not, but it might very well be because of this verse. And then sometimes if I start praying encouragements into their life, I'm really opening up the Lord to take over that prayer and maybe speak some prophecies into their life. I don't know. When I speak a prophecy over someone's life, I don't turn into old King James English and start saying thee and thou. <laughs> I, just, I just pray for them and encourage them. And the Holy Spirit lives in me. If the Holy Spirit wants to use my mouth, he can have it, right? And that's kind of the attitude. I, I, I have kind of an organic view of how the Spirit works. It's 24-7. It's not just at prayer meetings, right? So we, like Isaiah, sometimes need to say things that make people uncomfortable, But if you're speaking for God, it's not always rebuke. In fact, the other side, as far as I can tell, is is a side that we're lacking. I think we can all be pretty good at rebuking people, (laughs) right? So God's heart is to encourage one another as well. So he says, speak comfort to Jerusalem. So he actually says it a, a second time, right? He says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. And then he says, speak comfort to Jerusalem. So he's saying, speak exhortation. And then he says, speak comfort to Jerusalem. And there are two different words there. And what he's saying is, speak to their hearts. Isaiah, slow down. Minister to the people. You're my representative. And um, I tell you what, that's, uh, for me, this kind of um, spoke to me. Because for me, I'm, I'm a gatherer of knowledge. Kind of, it's, it's kind of how my brain works. And it doesn't really matter what the knowledge is. I can gather you know, totally useless facts. <laughs> Some of you are like that. And you watch documentaries, and you just collect stuff in your head. And you're like, oh, well, now, now I know about rocket fuel, you know, or whatever. You know? It's like, whatever. But at the same time, you know, sometimes, and especially